I freaking love to lead in business. Absolutely freaking lutely. But a lot of us then take it home and we don't communicate necessarily with our partners what role we want to take. The truth is that we can be, you know, masculine and powerful and get stuff done in business and we can go home and be nurturing and soft and caring and loving and all of that. Yeah. Lisa, so hot by the way. Oh, it was super freaking hot. At the time, I was like, I get to have a hot fling with my American teacher? Dude. Like, I ain't trying to get between you. I'm just trying to get between you. Lisa Bilyeu, co-founder of Impact Theory, Quest Nutrition, and host of Women of Impact. Hell yeah. Welcome to Beyond. What? I'm so excited. What up, Amy? So glad to be here. I'm so excited because I interviewed your husband and now I'm interviewing you, so I feel like I got the married couple. It's the dream team. You must have done a great job, girl, because he came home and he's like, babe, you've got to do that interview. She was wonderful. Really? Yeah, and uh. he does a lot of interviews. So he was like, oh, we spoke about relationships. And so I was like, oh, do tell. Oh, yeah. I mean, he talked a lot about that. Um, I think one of the themes that we talked about quite a bit, and it's very polarizing and very popular, is the whole masculinity-femininity conversation mm. that's happening. Um, and I think people are triggered a lot because of, you know, the girl boss culture and women going out and working and having kids later. Um, and now there are dual income families, things like that. Um, I've been seeing so much of, uh, you know, men who are like, I want a woman who's staying at home. I want it to go back to way to the way it was. Things should be traditional. That's the only way the family can survive. Um, and, you know, you're in a very successful, happy marriage where you guys are a team. And I see that. So what's your take on all this? Oh, God, this is such a beautiful a topic. Um, <clears throat> it's so damn nuanced and people want to blanket statement. And so what I mean by that is it's not one or the other. I was the stay-at-home wife that was absolutely taking care of my husband, the traditional role, if you will. And I was brought up Greek Orthodox, so that felt like that was supposed to be the path that I was supposed to go down, even though I had big dreams. Now, after eight years, I realized I didn't enjoy it. All the dreams as a kid that I had, had gone. And I started to stare at myself and not recognize who I was anymore. And in that, it forced me to speak up, to talk to Tom. Quest started, it was very unexpected. And over my evolution in helping my husband out, I started to realize what I was made of. And so in that process, I realized I love business. And so going from being a stay-at-home wife, that is literally your, your purpose is to provide for your husband. Right. To then go, your husband's on his own. <laughs> he has to figure out his clothing. He has to figure out his food. How the hell do you, A, navigate that as business partners and then B, navigate that as a couple? And I realized there were multiple elements. Neither was right or wrong. Me staying at home wasn't right or wrong. Me going to work wasn't right or wrong. It was what was right for me, not right for society. And I realized it was definitely working. But now how do you communicate that? I married a guy where I told him I wanted four children. So he married me, I made him a promise, and I was the one changing the script. So I had to approach him and be honest with him about where I was, how I was feeling emotionally, and the fact that it wasn't his doing. I was the one that said, yes, I'll stay at home. I was the one that never spoke up. I was the one that didn't tell him I was happy. You never unhappy. spoke up. No, I never spoke up. 
I didn't tell him I was unhappy because now going back to the belief system that I had was that's where I was supposed to be. So every time in my book, I actually call it a chapter where it's like open up the can of worms and embrace the ick. The can of worms is asking yourself the hard question. Am I happy in this marriage, this relationship, being a stay-at-home wife? And so many of us don't want to ask it because we don't want to deal with the mess that comes with the reality of the answer. Now, what I mean by that is I had to ask myself eventually because I was just so profoundly unhappy. Do you still want to be at home? And the answer was no. Now, there's a whole load of things that come along with deciding I no longer want to be at home. What if my husband divorces me? If he turned around and said, you broke the promise, what am I going to do? So there's a whole load of things that you have to deal with with asking yourself the real question. And so as I asked myself, I just had to do it because I'd spent eight years not asking myself the question. So I pulled him aside and I took ownership. Step number one, babe, I haven't told you that I'm profoundly unhappy. I haven't told you that cooking and cleaning for you doesn't satisfy me. Now, I need you to hear it has nothing to do with how I feel about you. It has nothing to do with how much I love you, but it doesn't make me happy anymore. So I had to acknowledge that. I had to be honest with him. And in his response, he's like, why didn't you tell me? You think that I would rather you cook and clean above your happiness? He was like, that's not the husband I want to be. So that was being transparent. And second of all, explaining to him what I wanted my future to look like. So I said, babe, I really want to try my hand at this business thing, right? Quest was growing at 57,000%. So I went from helping out my husband shipping bars on my living room floor one day to within two years, I was shipping, I was developing my own production line and I was, we were shipping out $82 million worth of inventory in two years. So I had to really take ownership over, do I really want to do this and am I going to go all in? And the answer was yes. So I had to tell Tom that this makes me happy. I want to do this more. But now here's the thing. You have to give the other person the ability and the space to grieve. Now, what do I mean by that? Is I was changing the person that I was. I was telling Tom, I don't want to put your clothes out. I don't want to cook for you. So there needs to be a transition period. It isn't just I decide and now he has to get in line, right, as my partner. No, you have to give your partner grace to your point when you ask the question, right, you did it as a team. And that was damn important to me. He's going to be with me on this journey. But there are two other elements that I noticed when you were speaking. One, you were very meticulous about your delivery and the way you communicated. And two, Tom created the safety for you to do that. Yes, a thousand percent. So thank you for saying that because you have to... Being with someone is do you trust them to be able to talk like this without them throwing it back in your face, the safety element, right? right? So I knew that no matter what, I didn't know whether he was going to leave me or not. You can't predict that. I knew that he wouldn't, though, hold it against me for being honest. Right. And that was an agreement we had almost from day one. Do we agree that we're always going to say the hard thing? Yes. Okay, cool. So he's already given me the space, like you said. So when I approached him with this, it was like, babe, this is what I want. This is the new life that I'm looking for. But how can I support you as my partner, knowing I'm changing? How can I support you so that we can go through this together? And it was the grieving that we basically came up with. It was like, wow, I actually almost have to embrace grieving the wife you used to be. Not that it's bad, but there has to be that transition period and really accepting the wife that you're becoming. So I said, great, let's do this together. What does that look like? So we created the game plan on this week, I'm going to cook for you six days a week. Next week, I'm going to do five days a week. The week after, I'm going to do four days a week and so on and so forth to the point where I'm no longer going to cook for you or clean for you. 
And he was totally on board because we did it together. And so that, to back to the question of like, even just the masculine and the feminine, it was a articulation between us about the roles we were playing in the relationship. If that changed it, if that changed, I, tic- I articulated the change to him. And then we came up with a new game plan together. So it was, all right, babe, I'm going to buy the food, but you have to now cook. Are you okay with that? Yes, great. Now we have an agreement. And now there's no resentment. There's no part of him that is a build-up, right? Year after year, it's like, oh, I can't believe it. She was the one. Once upon a time, right? Because we've done it together. I've showed him the respect because I haven't just said, hey, this is who I want to be now. And as my hu- husband, you have to accept it. That never works. Um, and then we did it together. And so that was the important part that now he can feel pride over helping his wife and supporting his wife transition to become happy. And now you're happy. And I mean, look, happy is an, an, ebb, an ebb and a flow. I don't like to think of happy as a final state. So I ebb and flow happiness, but in my on, under my own terms, doing what I love to do. Um, and in this whole story, as I started building Quest and the department, I started to hire ex-convicts because of where our, um, our first facility was. It was in Compton. And Tom and I, Tom had dealt with, um, had worked with a lot of inner city people before. And he was like, babe, they're just incredible humans. And just because you've maybe been brought up in an environment where you've made a mistake in the past and, you know, God forbid, maybe you've gone to prison, that doesn't dictate who you are as a human. And if you can show up today and work hard as a person, we want to support that. So in our first facility at Quest, we literally said, we don't care if you've got a criminal record. Who are you today and who do you want to be? And we'll support that. So now I'm five foot one, in case people don't know. So <laughs> five foot one British person, right? Building a shipping department. I had six foot five dudes with tats. And then I e- we even had a guy with a teardrop under his eye. I'll say no more. Maybe people know what that <laughs> means. Maybe people don't. So now imagine I come from North London, being British, five foot one, having to command respect from six foot five guys. Convicts. Convicts. Yeah. And so... I knew I had to get tough. I was like, they're going to walk all over me. Now, what I did is I just, my version at the time of being extremely inexperienced, tough meant be a dude, right? So I went in going, just trying to be a bull in a china shop. It's like, well, no one's going to push me around. That's what guys are like, so I should be like that. Now, here's the thing. I brought that home with me. And over time, as I started to be more powerful and more strong and get more confident in my position... I was becoming hard in every aspect of my life. And so I was bringing that home. And so the hard conversation that Tom and I had to have was he said, babe, I understand you're an entrepreneur. I support that. You know I do. I've shown you. I understand that you have to get hard because you can't be pushed around. Being a leader means you've got to have a strong backbone. So he was like, I get that too. The problem is, is you've brought so much. He didn't use the word masculinity, but I'm just going to put it here for context. He's like, but you've brought... You brought that masculinity home and you're no longer the sweet, loving, maternal wife that I also love in you. And so I had to hear him with open ears because imagine I just, well, this is who I am and you want to make me weak. No, he's not freaking saying that. He's being honest about the fact that he loves both sides. He loves the nurturing side. And so when I paused and said, there's no right or wrong, he's just being honest. He's not wrong for saying that, right? Your preference are your preference. So if I could just accept that this is his truth, 
do I accept it? Not do I take it as my truth, but do I accept it? Sorry, is that something that um, aligns with me? So I paused, I heard him out, I gave him the space, which is very respectful. And then I walked away and I was like, I need to think about this. And I was like, actually, I love being nurturing. And that girl was the point where I realized, oh shit, we're doing all women a disservice because we're saying, be a freaking badass, go after what you want. And yet we're not actually, and I'm part of the problem, right? I'm also not addressing the other side of it. That is absolutely, I freaking love that I can be soft. I absolutely freaking love that when my feet hurt, my husband can give me a piggyback. I love that, you know what, if I had a rustling outside and I thought someone's about to break in, you better believe I'm turning to my husband and be like, babe, can you go check to see if right? someone's breaking in? And that's where I realized every single person can command and demand whatever they want. And what I mean by that is I absolutely can show up in business and be a freaking badass and you can't push me around. And I'm tapping deliberately into my masculinity. And I mean that with pride. I can say that goddamn yes. And at the same time, girl, I can be proud that I can go home and be this squishy, emotional woman that wants to snuggle with her, her, her husband. And being able to own both is strength. It isn't freaking weakness. And I think the message that has got out in the world is you have to choose. And if you want to be a stay-at-home wife, then that means you're soft. Screw that, hell no. You can be whatever you want, but it has to be deliberate. It has to be, how do I lean into my personality or my fem feminist side here? And how do I lean into my masculine side over here. And I have tools, I have tactics that I use to deliberately empower myself to lean into that side of things. And it's from the way that I dress, wearing my clothes, my heels, right, my hair, my bad, my, you know, I've got these, like, you probably can hear it clinking, the sound guy's probably giving me a dirty <laughs> look right now. But I wear big watches because it makes me feel like it's my Wonder Woman outfit, my cuffs. Mm. But when I go home and I want to be soft, I know what I want to feel like. So I take my jewelry off, I pull my hair up, I take my makeup off, and I put on fluffy Wonder Woman pajamas. Like I actually have <laughs> fluffy Wonder Woman pajamas because I know what it does to my emotions and I know what it does to my psyche. And when I'm home, I want to be soft. And so because I know what I want and because I know how to pull the levers, if you will, to create that and make myself feel like that, I can really easily now somewhat bounce between masculine and feminine whenever I like. And I pride myself on being able to do both. Today's episode of Beyond is brought to you by MoonPay. MoonPay is your portal to Web3 where you can transact with peers globally and own your digital identity. MoonPay makes it fast and simple to jumpstart your Web3 journey. Quickly use your debit or credit card to buy and sell crypto and purchase digital collectibles. Visit MoonPay.com to get started. See, I love this. To me, this is empowering because the message, as you said, is that you have to choose. Are you one or the other? And and I know a lot of men who also think like I either need a girl who's nurturing or I need a boss who can bring home mm -hmm. money to the table. You know what I mean? And that's just not the truth. The truth is that we can be everything. The truth is that we can be, you know, masculine and powerful and get stuff done in business and we can go home and be nurturing and soft and caring and loving and all of that. Yeah. And so what are what are the tools that you use? Uh, let's start with at home. And you said you said some, the dressing up. 
Yeah, you exactly. Know? So when I'm coming, for instance, to this podcast here, right? I showed you my socks before we started rolling. <laughs> it's like, it's this girl, you got this, right? So yeah. it's like, I know that when I want to dress up and I uh, when I want to show up confident, because I'm not naturally confident. It's had to be a skill that I've developed. Is anybody naturally confident? No. Well, no, actually, I'm going to say no, but some women have been like, yeah, I've kind of been like this my whole life. And I'm like, oh my God, uh, like we need to put this in a bottle. We need to sell it. Like, how do we give this to other women? But I'm sadly not like that. So I've just gone, I can either accept it or go there are ways, just like anything where you may not be naturally gifted, but you can train yourself. I was like, okay, I'm going to train myself. What are the things that work for me? So I realized it was Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman became a symbol for me. Um, and so knowing Wonder Woman was a symbol and knowing that I don't feel like Wonder Woman, how do I start to feel like Wonder Woman? So I go, okay, I'm searching in the dark. What do I know? Habits. Okay, what do I know about habits? You gotta do something, you know, day in, day out for 30 days for it to become a habit. Okay, great. If I don't feel like Wonder Woman, what habit can I adopt that I can practice every single day so that by the end of 30 days, I feel like Wonder Woman when I do this? And I don't know what this is. I just um, break it down to first principles. So I go, okay, if I do something enough, I can eventually feel like Wonder Woman. What can I do? And it became my necklace. So I have this Wonder Woman necklace that wow. I bought on Amazon. This was like 20 bucks. And so I wore it and I was like, okay, every time I put it on for 30 days, I'm gonna look in the mirror and I'm gonna put it on and I'm gonna tell myself, you're a badass like Wonder Woman. You're a badass like Wonder Woman. And I just did it for 30 days. And after a while, now I don't think about it. I put it on and it becomes my- That's who you are. It, it's my suiting up to feel like Wonder Woman. Mm. So I go, okay, what else? Music, great, what song, right? Survivor by Destiny's Child. It's like, if you listen to those lyrics, like, you know, now on Spotify, you can kind of pull up the lyrics and you can kind of read them. Yes. Do that with Survivor. Anyone here, do it right now after this podcast. Okay. And sing along to the lyrics. And I bet you by the end, you're gonna freaking feel stronger. And so I started to do this, right? Just know thyself, dive into yourself. What do you feel? How do you feel when you, and you guys, anyone listening, like, oh, that sounds great, Lisa. You're gonna put the Wonder Woman necklace on you. Like, this is stupid. Cool, what else? What's that thing for you? It was Wonder Woman for me, but what's that thing for you? Lean into it, repeat it over and over and over again. And then it became my, my, uh, my habits, my morning routine. Any time now that I wanna show up and be confident, I don't think about it. I just have my braids in, I put on my jewelry, I put on my heels, I put on my, my tight pants, and I go, fuck yeah, and I go after it. And then when I go home, I take all of my jewelry off. Literally. I'll put on a soft song, maybe some Mariah Carey, maybe Celine Dion. I love Mariah Carey and oh, Celine Dion. Yeah. Like, I don't put anything, like, outrageous. I put on soft music. I put on my fl fluffy. I say that on purpose because material matters, mm -hmm. right? Even just feeling the material of, like, I'm, I'm all about my senses, my sights, my sounds, the touch. So even just, like, Lululemons, right? You put on a pair of Lululemons and the tight ones, like, yeah. you feel a certain way. You put on fluffy Wonder Woman pajamas, you're going to feel a certain way. It's true. So what is that thing for you? And then again, what does that ritual look like and become so that you know you can then lean into it? And then again, it's going to involve as you evolve. I used to have post-it notes on my mirror every time I was brushing my teeth. I don't need post-it notes anymore, right? And so this becomes an evolution. So two years from now, three years from now, four years from now, it's going to be something else. But the first time I went on, um, did my first speaking gig, I was just asking my friends, guys, I'm really freaking nervous. Like, I'm so scared. I don't want to get on stage. Everyone was like, Lisa, you're going to pee a lot. 
you may pee or you may do the other one. But everyone was like, you, you, no matter what, you're going to be so damn nervous. So I was like, oh, crap. Well, that's going to derail me. Like, I'm going to be less confident the more I have to pee. So going, what's the problem? And then how do I fix it? So I heard this is the problem. And I was like, okay, I know myself and I'm going to get in my own head. I didn't just accept it. I was like, what am I going to do to counterbalance this problem? So because Wonder Woman became my thing, I was like, what if I get superhero underwear? And girl, it actually went on Amazon and I got superhero underwear <laughs> so that every time I would, just before I went on stage and I kept having to pee, all I would see was that Wonder Woman logo as I was pulling down my knickers. And you better believe it becomes small subliminal messages. You identify with it. Yeah, and that happens to be me. Now again, I hope people hear the overarching tactic of what is that for you? But don't freaking ignore things like underwear, hairstyle, fashion, music, the people you're around, who do you follow on Instagram? Is it like literally the second you open Instagram, what's that first thing? It will take a half millisecond for it to, for you to acknowledge what that message is. Yeah. And if you follow people that are toxic or yeah, screw men ladies, well, what do you think you're gonna feel about men a year down the line? Like, so that, that becomes such an important part of my message of just how, how do you show up every day and then assess and then um, refine. I think that's such powerful advice. And I noticed that in terms of like how women relate to men and what they think of men and then what they find. Yes. So for me, it's very easy to be like, you know, to find men who are cheaters or, you know, they don't respect women or whatever the thing, they're misogynistic, whatever the thing is, I can easily find that out in the world. And then I'm just gonna think that that's how it is. Mm -hmm. Or I can find men who are kind, powerful. Um, you know, Chris Voss is one of my mentors. Mm -hmm. uh, my manager, Jeff, is such a good guy and is super behind me in everything that I do. Um, every man in my life is a super good guy and that's the message that I give myself because I know I'm not going to, the alternative is that I'm not going to find what I want in love because the men around me are terrible. Mm. And, and I see it in a lot of girls, especially the ones who find love versus the ones who don't. It's a very, very powerful thing. Yeah. And then one thing to add, you mentioned it earlier actually, is we can have, well, you kind of, you said we can have everything, but here's the thing. With any woman, who are you with and then what position do they want to take and what position do you want to take? Are we talking relationships? Yes, relationships. Thank okay. you, yeah. Because as I was saying, you know, I come home and, you know, I unwind and things like that, a big part of it is because I want Tom to lead in our personal lives. So we've had that discussion and we both agreed he wants to lead and I want him to lead. That doesn't make me weak. I actually realize it makes me so damn powerful that I can say that with confidence. And once upon a time, I used to think that if you turn to your partner to lead, then that made you weak. Mm. And I think it's the opposite. Have you read the book? Because you're surrounded by books. Um, <laughs> Rocket Fuel. No. Oh, my God. you got to read it. Okay. So... I think it's been a while now. They kind of refer to it more in like business, but I also think of it as a personal thing. So rocket fuel is about, there's two positions typically in a partnership, right? You've got the rocket and then you've got the fuel. Steve Jobs, look at anyone freaking successful. You've got someone that is out there, the rocket. Tom, the rocket, right? The big shiny object that everyone pays attention to. They command the room. And then you've got the fuel, 
No one really cares about the fuel. No one thinks about the fuel. But you better believe the fuel is important because without the fuel, the rocket is just an object that doesn't move. The fuel is actually what propels it forward. The fuel is what gets it going. So the fuel is just as damn important. And that's how I think of business partnerships and personal partnerships. And I think people think that if you're the alpha of the uh, family or the partnership, if you're the leader, that it means that your position is no longer important, is no longer brings weight. But if you can think of it as like the analogy of the rocket and the fuel, by asking a guy or if a guy wants the female to lead, again, I don't care. Freaking do whatever you want. But you've got to have the damn conversation. You've got to have the conversation of who's leading and who's um, the fuel. Because if you don't, then you will absolutely collide. So with what you were saying about surrounding people, like surrounding yourself with guys and stuff, I think, A, that's super freaking important. And then B, being able to um, have communication with the opposite sex or with people around you to say, what role are you taking and what role am I taking? Mm. And that it shouldn't be assumed just by the genitalia, right? It should actually just be discussed. Now, the big thing that I have noticed in careers is that women, and I myself, I freaking love to lead in business. Absolutely freaking lutely. But... A lot of us then take it home and we don't communicate necessarily with our partners what role we want to take. Now, I just did an interview. I don't want to say her name just in case. She doesn't want me to say it. But she basically said she's a freaking badass woman. I mean, she's a badass. People know her on the set like boss from every angle you can possibly imagine. And as I'm talking to her, she turns around and she's like, I'm dating this guy and you better believe I freaking, you know, I, I'm the, like, you know, I, I, I'm older than him, so I kind of lead. And she's like, you know, and the other day I just turned to him and I was like, you know, at some point you've got to lead as well. And she's telling me this, right? And just like, you know, it's like, I want to lead, but he should as well. And that's where I realized a big part of what we're doing is we're approaching relationships as the lead but then expecting it to change down the line. Without having a conversation. Yeah. So imagine you go up to a guy. And again, I don't care. This is no judgment. I absolutely love it if women have the confidence enough to see a guy and go, you know what? I kind of fancy him. I'm going to go ask him out. Go ham. The problem that we have to actually talk about is if you go up to him, you are making that first move. No problem at all. But again, you are taking the lead by definition. So now, in a month, in two months, in three months, if you've taken the role as the leader, you can't then expect him in a year or two years to all of a sudden take the lead because you're tired. Mm. Okay, that makes sense. Um, are you advising women to not make the first move? Do you think they should be more subtle if they have interest in someone? This is so funny. So I just did this interview where the guy was, um, it was uh, R.C. Blakes and he's religious and he's like, women should never pursue men. And here's what, and I asked him why. And he laid out that reason. He was like, because if you pursue a guy and then later down the line, you want them to take the lead, you haven't actually approached the relationship with the truth of how you actually want it to evolve. Mm. And I was like, that's actually really true. But here's the thing, I honestly don't care. If you're a woman and you're in a heterosexual relationship and you wanna take the lead and the guy's happy and you're happy, freaking go ham. I love that. If you're in a, you know, um, it, my mum, for instance, in fact, this is a perfect example. My mum's been married to a woman for over 20 years. But even in their relationship, 
they have a masculine, like my mum's wife is more of the masculine person than my mum. Oh, wow. So even in a lesbian relationship, they've discussed who's the leader. So that's why I'm saying it's got nothing to do with sex, it's got nothing to do with gender, but it has to do with who is approaching the leadership in the first place. If you're approaching that relationship or going up to that guy and asking him out, you should. But you then, in my opinion, either need to say, I'm going to lead this relationship because this is how I'm approaching it, or I need to articulate to this partner that I want to change the dynamic. But where I think that we go wrong is we just expect it and we don't articulate it, and we don't address that we actually were the ones that set up the relationship to be the leader in the first place. Because we're trying to talk about equality. And that's where I'm like, yes, equality should be, if you fancy a guy, go ham. Go up to him and ask him out. But we're not talking about the realities of what that ends up leading to in your relationship. And I'm just talking about the realities, that's it. Like, I honestly want to set people up for success in their relationship. I want people to listen to this podcast and go, oh my God, now I can approach my relationship with communication and it builds a better bond together. That's my goal. It's not to make anyone, it's not for me to say a guy should lead or a woman should lead. I honestly do not care. But embrace the realities of a dynamic when you first set it up. Lisa, I love everything you said. I'm gonna add another challenge to that. Oh, go for it. Okay, because nowadays things have changed. You know, I feel like, I'm just gonna be real, I feel like the Me Too movement stopped a lot of men mm. from making moves. And I've talked to a lot mm -hmm. of them, you know? They're just like, oh my God, I don't wanna get taken down, I don't wanna get canceled. For example, if they like somebody in the workplace, which by the way, apparently, statistically, one in three relationships starts in the workplace. But now, but now, see, Me? right? Tom was my teacher. Literally, Ooh. Tom and I joke, we're like, we were a Me Too movement <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> Wait, Lisa, so hot, by the way. Oh, it was super freaking hot. At the time, I was like, I get to have a hot fling with my American teacher. Dude. Like, when I'm 90, you better believe I'm telling my grandchildren this story. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, what sorry, I'm saying. That's, no, that's what I'm saying. Where it's like I've heard so many stories of like someone marrying their secretary or like whatever it is. You know what I mean? And so I feel like men have expressed that they f they feel afraid to make the move. So it's like then w what do women do? Because you know you don't want to be the pursuer either. And so we see people are getting mm. married later and later. And and you know for both. Uh, both sexes, they're having a hard time coupling up. So what's your advice in terms of what to do now that things are so different? Dude, I love these questions, man. These are so, they're very hot topics. They're hot <laughs> topics. But I think it's important to talk about. Um, okay, so let me start from, I haven't been a Me Too situation, right? Like I've never really had that happened to me. So I wanna make sure that anyone listening understands that. So everything that I'm going to say is not knowing what it's like, and I can't pretend to know. So I wanna make sure that, homie, anyone listening right now, if you're, you've been a me too person, like I, I so damn empathize, I me cannot too. imagine. So I definitely wanna make sure that I don't dismiss anybody's story. Um, in saying that, it has caused some issues for the regular people that are not predatory. So how about we put it like that? And so I don't think Tom and I would have happened. That's the truth, right? He wouldn't have asked me out. 
People are like, oh my God, no, I'm going to get sued. Or I'm going to, you know, become a stat where it's now I'm a guy, a white guy that is creeping on his student. And so I've been married to my husband for 20 years, right? So to think about that that wouldn't have happened because of the way things are is heartbreaking. But how do we eliminate predators? Because when you've got young girls who are very susceptible to power, very susceptible to power, there are going to be people that are going to take advantage. And we've got to protect them. We've got to protect the young women who are susceptible to guys that are going to take advantage. And in talking to Tom, he was telling me, which I had no idea, apparently there's an app now where you literally get a woman to sign as basically them giving consent that you can sleep with them. Now, when it comes to the point that there's an app, there is the reality to sex can be so fucking amazing and the fire, the chemistry. And if Tom has, oh, hang on a minute, so sorry, but you have to stop. Let me just give you an app to sign before we continue. It does kill the bug. It kills bug. the vibe, Lisa. <laughs> Come on, what? It does. So here's the thing. Is there a way that people, oh shit, sorry. Is there a way that people can communicate <laughs> the we are going from going on a date where we're just sitting across from each other, giggling and telling each other our secrets to getting undressed and you're putting your, you know, your private parts inside mine. There comes a point where you cross the line of being appropriate, right? Like, it is awkward when you're getting undressed and I'm getting undressed and our bodies come together. There is a moment of it, it is natural. And so how do you take the natural um, essence of humanity, of sexuality, but also protect people who are predatory? And so I know I just said a whole lot of words and I haven't actually given you a conclusion because this is the predicament. And I think it's very difficult especially guys, because uh, to your point, guys have actually, some young guys especially, have pulled me aside. Some of my teammates have pulled me aside. I'm like, Lisa, I'm really worried. Like, I don't ask girls out because I don't want to get rejected. I don't open doors for women anymore. What? Because, all right, so I'm sure my husband's going to be okay with me telling the story. Yeah. But Tom came home from an event and he's like, babe, I'm heartbroken. I was like, what's the matter? And he goes... My mum brought me up to be a good guy, to hold the door open for women, to always offer them a chair. Like, I was brought up with, you know, being chivalrous. And he's like, and I was walking through a door, and it's one of those moments where you're like, I can probably let go of the door, and people wouldn't think it was mean, or I can wait a couple of seconds and just hold the door open for the next person. And he was like, I'm, it's a woman, I'm going to hold the door open. So he stands and he holds the door open. The woman goes up to him, snatches the door out of his hands and closes it and then walks through it again. Oh, my God. So when I heard that, I did like a tweet or something. And I was like, guys, do you want other... Do, well, guys, women. Women, do you want guys to open the door for you? And it was unanimous. Every woman says yes. Duh. But you know how many guys have told me, Lisa, I will not open a door for a woman again because I have been told it is disrespectful to women. So now I go, what are we doing to the world? And here's going back to the thing. I think the message has become that if a guy opens the door for you, it means you're weak and you can't do it yourself. 
And that's what I think the younger women are perceiving. And it's heartbreaking, girl, because I think, even if it wasn't a guy, if you held the door open for me, I'd be like, you're so sweet, thank you. Yeah. And so I feel like we're teaching the wrong message. We're teaching people to not be kind, to not be gracious, to not freaking open a door for somebody or even give them your seat. I met a big influencer actually one day <clears throat> and I was kind of like sitting on the floor and he's really big and he's like, Lisa, take my seat. And I was like, thank you. So I, I took it and I was like, can I ask you something? Do you do this to any woman? He goes, oh, Jesus, no. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, I would never just offer my seat anymore to a woman because he's like, you know how much backlash I've gotten from women? Okay. So that's obviously crazy to me also. Um, so it, let's say we were, we were to be sitting with a slew of these women. Okay. 30 of them. Yes. And they're all like that. What is your message to them? A woman who won't let a man open a door. A woman who's always like, I can do it myself. I'm a leader. I'm a boss. But obviously, there's still that. It's not even a female need. I think it's a human mm -hmm. need to be in a partnership. I want it. I don't know anybody who doesn't want it. We all want to be with someone that we love in a relationship. So what do you say to that woman who won't let a man do anything for her? Every time I want to push back, the very first thing I, I think of is if I was writing a script, what would have to be true about this character for them to say that? So for instance, <clears throat> I'm about to share a very horrifying story. My grandmother, so I'm Greek Orthodox, my grandmother comes from this tiny little village in the mountains of Cyprus. She wasn't ever taught how to read because she was female and Greek and it was a village. And back then there was no contraception. There was no schools. So women got married and had kids. So you never took them to school and, you know, they just pumped out children. And so I get married to Tom. I go to Cyprus because I really want him to meet my grandmother. My grandmother pulls me aside and I'm just got married at this point. And she goes in Greek. I love you so much and I want to tell you, if you, you know, want to be married forever, if he hits you, don't worry, you probably deserved it. This is my Greek grandmother. Now, if people could see the horror in your face, right? That's horrifying to hear now. If I was writing a script, what would have to be true for my grandmother to give her granddaughter marital advice that says accept being physically abused? What would have to be true about my grandmother? It would be that in her world, why would you accept that? Because it puts a roof over your head. Because if you leave your husband back in the day, you have no roof, you have no food to eat, and you've abandoned your children. So I didn't go, oh my God, my grandmother, what the hell? I just was like, wow. She's got such a warped view of what life and marriage is. Now, look, she was so old. She was in her 70s and 80s. So it was like, thank you, yeah, yeah, I love you, but oh, dear God. And so when posing your question, when there are young girls or women who are like, I don't freaking want a guy to open the door. I don't need them. Why would they say that? Because maybe they've been taught that relying on a man has been detrimental to your life, right? Maybe they grew up with a single mother who was really struggling financially. And they said, 
you know what? I relied on a guy and he crushed me. And because of that, I can't be the mother I want because I have to work three jobs. Whatever, right? I'm making extreme. But that's, that's actually reality to some people's lives. You can imagine that young girl hears that message. And so she grows up going, I can't rely on anyone. The only person I can rely on is myself. The only person that can be strong is me. And now you get someone else that opens the door with her belief system that you can't rely on someone else. And she says something like that. And so I go, okay, it's not necessarily fault, right? In the sense of they're being cruel or they're trying to degrade men or them, you know, again, I'm trying to always give people the benefit of the doubt, but now it's like, it's becoming toxic, right? And it's, I think, teaching people to your point to not being gracious humans. So I go, how do we empathize? understand where people are coming from, but really talk the freaking truth. And that's why I am so, it's so important that we're talking about this. And I'm so grateful to you for asking these questions because I want any young woman out here, like listening to this, to know that by letting other people be kind, be gracious, give you their seat, and you can accept it, that's freaking strength. And even when it comes to dating, or being with someone. You don't need a man, but you can want a man. And that's the difference even with me and Tom. I don't need him, I freaking want him. And you better believe I can own that, and I can love that, and the fact that I can own that out loud and not feel weak about it makes me stronger. So that's really where I'm leaning into in hoping that if we can keep repeating that this makes you strong, not weak. You don't need someone to open the door, but you can want someone to open the door. You don't need a guy to pay for dinner, but you can want a guy to pay for dinner. All of those messaging, hopefully over time, yeah. right? It becomes the pebble that goes into the water that creates the ripples that creates the tsunami. So I'm just always thinking, how do we keep talking about it so that it becomes the tsunami? Today's episode of Beyond is brought to you by MoonPay. MoonPay is your portal to Web3 where you can transact with peers globally and own your digital identity. MoonPay makes it fast and simple to jumpstart your Web3 journey. Quickly use your debit or credit card to buy and sell crypto and purchase digital collectibles. Visit MoonPay.com to get started. 